Welcome to the Elevate Life Church podcast of the week. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit elevatelife.com. Without any further ado, here's Pastor Keith. The bottom line is we are going to stay our own. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. So you have to stay your beard. So right as we're trying to film this, there's just all kinds of distractions. First of all, a helicopter has decided to just park right over us. And, and it's, it's that, moving. That looks like it's moving. People. Anyway, it's just the most hilarious thing. And then this is a pretty interesting fact. And we've got a little boat that's going to be coming by. So you're going to be hearing some noise because we're on the river. If I just show the boat. I just thought it'd be good uh, with the sirens going in the background for you guys to be able to hear some of those facts. Uh, you know, in London, they have these cabs. This is an example of what we've dealt with. We're up here in the corner and we're filming. These people walk up and they say, are you finished? Can we take a picture? <laughs> Welcome to London. This is, this is what you get when you try to film a video in London. So, so just to put this in perspective while we're taking a break from the message here, um, Sheila's phone kept freezing up. Her phone d- didn't work, so we had to go to a hotel, charge her phone, come back, use my phone. I sent my notes to her on her phone. Well, let's get back to it. Well, as you can see, it was a comedy of errors, like I said. I mean, we had helicopters flying above, but before the helicopters got there, it was the emergency vehicles that were crossing the bridge. And then as we were filming and as it continued to go on, then a helicopter showed up with its cameras, boats going by, people walking up. There was a man who positioned himself right behind Pastor Sheila and was just playing a drum and just looking right over at me. It was absolutely crazy. But anyway, let's get into the message. Hey, Elevate Life, well, we are coming live to you from London, and what a beautiful city this is. And I thought what I would start with is just telling you some things about London. London, England is second only to New York as the most popular city in the world. It was first established 2,000 years ago by the Romans. It was the first city to ever have over a million citizens. It's got a lot of people today. Over 8 million live in London. It is probably, for me personally, the most beautiful city that I've ever been to. It's so rich in history. Uh, the architecture is amazing. You'll see some of that on this video. Um, and the places like you're seeing right here that uh, you just saw on camera, which is the Palace of Westminster and also Big Ben. And right now Big Ben is uh, actually the clock tower. It's got scaffolding all around it. They're not doing any tours right now uh, because they're doing so much restoration on that entire facility. It's actually called Big Ben. But uh, the truth is, it's the clock tower. There's actually a bell inside that clock tower, and they call the bell Big Ben, but it's become known, especially in America, as the Big Ben. Uh, One of my favorites is just right around the corner 
and that is Westminster Abbey. It's one of the greatest cathedrals in the world. And in fact, it was some of our inspiration when we were building the Cathedral of Frisco, and you're seeing pictures of that right now, both inside and out. I mean, it is absolutely magnificent. But then uh, other famous places are places like Buckingham Palace. And Buckingham Palace is probably the most famous uh, because that is the residence and the administ administrative uh, headquarters for the monarchy. And so I just love, I love, I think in this part of the world, the kingdom of God is more understood really than anywhere else in the world because uh, again, there's a true king, there's a true queen and, and it just works that way. It's very, very, very powerful. And then of course uh, here, there's also the Tower of London. Uh, it's officially Her Majesty's Royal Palace and the fortress of the Tower of London is a historic castle. It's located right here along these banks and they're showing a picture of that right now. And then Kensington Palace, I mean all these places are literally within just almost walking distance of each other. It's the royal residence um, in the Kensington Gardens and uh, it's just absolutely incredible. Then there's the Tower Bridge and the Tower Bridge is combined uh, it's, a, it's a bascule and a suspension bridge. It was built between 1886 and, and 1894, and it crosses again this river, the River Thames, and is close to the Tower of London. It's be, and it's really, if there's probably a symbol of London, it's become the symbol of, of London. Well, so there's a lot of exciting places to see, but there's also a lot of exciting facts about London. And I just thought it'd be good uh, with the sirens going in the background for you guys to be able to hear some of those facts. Uh, you know, in London, they have these cabs and they're called the black cabs. And so you see these little cars, of course, in America, you don't see anything like that. And so it's pretty amazing, uh, not just the, the cars that they use, but also what the cab drivers have to go through uh, to be able to become a cab driver in London. Listen to this. It's probably the most difficult job in the world. And so he says, what does that mean? All black cab drivers in London must pass the extremely difficult geography test known ominously as the knowledge. Well, what does that mean? It requires you to learn 320 basic routes, all 25,000 streets within these routes, and 20,000 landmarks within a six mile radius of Charing Cross. It is thought to take between two to four years to learn all of this information. And you know what the amazing thing is? is they have to retain all the names of the streets. I mean, to be a cab driver. So it's pretty amazing. And then listen to this, the London Zoo. It's a very famous place because it was the home of one of the most famous animals in the world. Guess who that was? Winnie the Pooh. I never knew there was an actual Winnie the Pooh. But there was Winnie the Pooh. All my kids, especially Whitney and Keela, loved Winnie the Pooh. I found this fact pretty amazing about London. The Great Ormond Street Hospital here in London actually owns the rights to Peter Pan. And of course, we've all seen Peter Pan. We love the story of Peter Pan. But Great Ormond Street is possibly the best and most famous children's hospital in the world. And Peter Pan certainly is one of the greatest children's stories ever told. And in 1929, 
the author of Peter Pan, J.M. Barry, gifted the copyright to the hospital eight years before his death. Ever since then, the great Ormond Street has enjoyed a special relationship with the boy who would never grow up, not to mention the many millions of pounds brought in through book sales, film adaptations, and toy sales. And it's just pretty, pretty amazing that uh, in terms of legacy, that someone would think, you know what, I want the royalties of this to go to a hospital that's gonna help people. And you know, really, that's what the church is too. And I think God is gonna raise up people to think like that with the church, that whether it's uh, inheritances, whether it's uh, things that people do that are remarkable, that part of their legacy is gonna be able to fund the kingdom of God. And I'm just believing God for that. And then this is a pretty interesting fact, and we've got a little boat that's gonna be coming by, so you're gonna be hearing some noise because we're on the river. If I just show the boat. something that was interesting that I thought about London that I didn't know and that is that that even though now London is the capital of the United Kingdom it was also the capital city for six different countries at the same time over 70 years ago in the midst of World War II London was one of the few safe cities left in Europe for those who opposed the Nazi regime it soon became a safe haven for displaced governments of country, countries that Hitler had invaded. First, the Poland government in exile taking up residence, followed by Norway, Belgium, Holland, and France. And here's what's pretty amazing. In other words, here's this city, one of the greatest cities in the world that became the capital city uh, for six different countries. That's, that's amazing, isn't it? So London, it's a beautiful place, so many sights to see, wonderful people. When I graduate to heaven, I'm asking God to let me speak in with an English accent, the Queen's English. And so I just love hearing the people talk over here. It's amazing. But today I want to just get into my message for a few minutes. And I want to talk to you about fearful living. You know what I discovered? I discovered that London, the name London means fierce. And when I was here, I thought, isn't that amazing? And Upon this recording, one year ago today, uh, me and Pastor Keela, little Keela Deshay, Daisy, Kiki's, Keita Bishnaga, she was, those are all the little names I have for her, but she was here with me one year ago today, and you know, I don't think anything like that is just coincidence. I think it's for us to realize that God is always connecting the dots, and there are certain cities, not just because we like them, but there are certain cities that really are gateway type cities where I think the kingdom of God certainly is being preached from right here, right now, right today. So anyway, I just honor the fact that one year ago that uh, Akilah was with me and I was ministering in a completely different church, even though we were in South Africa to over 100,000 people over about a week period. And it was, it was absolutely awesome. But when I think about London, I think about the word fierce. And I just want to take a few minutes and talk to you about fierceful living. Uh, here's a big thought for the message. The more fierceful you are, the less fearful you will be. The more fierceful you are, the more, or the less fearful that you will be. 
And you know, when you think about the word fierce, there's a lot of definitions, aggressive, uh, even violent. I'm not talking about that kind of fierce. I'm talking about the kind of fierce that means passionate, passionate. So when we talk about fierceful living, really what we're talking about is passionate living. And I just wanna give you a few thoughts today right here from London. First of all, you've gotta be the one that stirs your fears. You've got to stir your fears, not your fears. And you know, life can happen to us in such a way that so many things happen that, that we get all stirred up on the inside because of what's happening on the outside. In other words, we see what's happening in the world. Maybe a disaster strikes your home. Maybe a dream that you had didn't come to pass like you thought that dream was going to come to pass. And what it stirs in you is the wrong things. Oftentimes we find ourselves unable to sleep or stressed out. It's because we're allowing what's on the outside to stir us on the inside in the wrong way. And I'm just reminded of really what in, in the book of Timothy, what Timothy wrote in 2 Timothy 1, verses 6 and 7, he said, therefore, I remind you, remind. So we've got to remind ourselves when we're allowing things on the outside to stir the wrong things on the inside. When we allow what we see on the outside to stir up fear in us, when we allow the things on the outside to stir up offense on the inside, when we allow, again, broken dreams or disappointments to stir the wrong things in us. It causes a type of stress that's in us that unfortunately we begin to be driven by our stress. We begin to allow stress to overtake us. And so, but here's what he says, therefore I remind you, everybody say remind. We've got to remind ourselves, and we're being reminded by the Word of God that you stir up the gift of God that is in you. In other words, you've got to stir up the gift of God that's in you. The Bible says, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and of a sound mind. In other words, I've got to be the one that stirs up the gift of God in me. And I left something out intentionally in this scripture. I want to go back and show you something. Therefore, I remind you to stir up the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of hands. You know what I believe? I used to with Josh, I'd say, Josh, come here. I put your hands in my hands. And I said, Josh, this is when he's a little boy. I'd say, Josh, there's healing in those hands. And I want to say this. It's not just healing in Joshua's hands. There's healing in your hands. But there has to be healing in your heart before there can be healing in your hands. You have to understand that to be a person that you can either walk by faith or you walk by sight. You walk by a situation that happens in your life that causes you to again be filled with stress or begin to be filled with God. And what's so important is that you realize that you have the power to stir your fears and not your fears. So it's very, very important. So the second thing I want to talk to you about in fearsful living is to state your fears, not your fears. In other words, to speak those things that are not as though they were. 2 Corinthians 4, uh, verses 7 through 12 says this, But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. We are hard pressed on every side, yet we're not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. We're persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. 
always caring about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our body. For we who are living are always delivered to death for Jesus' sake, but that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So then death is working in us, but life in you. And again, 2 Corinthians 4 verses 13 through 15, and since we have the same spirit of faith, According to what is written, I believed, therefore I spoke. We also believe and therefore speak, knowing that he who raised up the Lord Jesus will also raise us up with Jesus. For all things are for your sakes, that grace, having spread through the many, may cause thanksgiving to abound to the glory of God. What do I mean when I say, state your fierce. I think about Abraham. I think about the story of Abraham and how when he was going to, to really make a sacrifice on Mount Moriah and he said this, he stated his fears. He left his animals and he said, we will return. On the way up to the mountain, he was thinking that he was going to sacrifice his son Isaac. But Isaac, even his son, even said, well, you know, we have the wood. Isaac's carrying the wood, at, but where is the sacrifice? And Abraham stated his fears, the father of our faith. He spoke those things that were not as though they were. And here's what he said, the Lord will provide. They get up to the top of Mount Moriah and something amazing happens. He said, son, talking to Isaac, Abraham talking to Isaac, I want you to get up on the sacrifice. And I want you to get up on the wood. And you can imagine what the son was thinking. I guess I'm going to be the sacrifice. But he obeyed. And as he was laying on the wood, Abraham was literally getting ready to take his life. And there was a ram that was caught in the thicket. And all of a sudden, Abraham looked and he said, Jehovah Jireh, the Lord has provided. But you see, oftentimes we don't understand that God is waiting on us to state our fears because when we're stating our fears, we're stating our faith rather than our fears. And so he said, here's what's going to happen. We're going to go up there even when it's, and we're going to come back. First, that was his first stating his fears. But then the second thing is his own son said, hey, we have the wood, but where's the sacrifice? And he stated his fears and stated his faith. He said, the Lord will provide. Romans, the fourth chapter in the 16th to the 18th verse says, Therefore, it is of faith that it might be according to grace, the power of God to do things God's way, so that the promise might be sure to all the seed, not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who are of the father or in the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations in the presence of him who he believed God, who gives life to the dead and caused those things which do not exist as though they did, who contrary to hope, in hope believed, so that he became the father of many nations according to what was spoken, so shall your descendants be. That's what God wants us to understand. That's what's so important about 
fearsful living. It is stating our fears. And when we state our faith, when we speak those things that are not as though they were, we are stating our faith. Another example in the Bible, of course, is David and Goliath. You know the story. I won't go into it. All of a sudden, there was Goliath in the middle of a valley, and he was mocking God and mocking God's children, the children of Israel. And David said, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he would defy the armies of the living God? And he runs down and he faces Goliath and he's got his sling. And while he's, he's slinging his sling, he said, you come to me with a sword and a spear and a shield, but I come to you in the name of the Lord God, the most high God. And today he will deliver you into my hands. He stated his fears. He stated his faith. And guess what? He released that, that, that slingshot, that stone, and the giant was killed. Joshua and Caleb. I love this story. Again, we have in the Bible people stating their fears, stating their faith. The Bible records in Numbers, the 13th chapter, that God said, I want you to send spies, Moses, into the land that, that I've promised you. It was called the promised land. And they picked 12 of the best. They picked the 12 leaders of the 12 tribes. And they went over there, and guess what they saw? They came back, and the Bible says they gave a bad report. They said, you know what? The land really is flown with milk and honey. Man, it's amazing. But there are giants there and we are not able to go up there. The Bible says that Caleb quieted the people and he said, we are well able. Let's go and let's go now. But the people said, we are not able to go up there. And they went on to say this. Not only are the cities walled and that there's giants there, they were stating their fear. But also, we saw ourselves as grasshoppers compared to them, and we know they saw us that way too. So oftentimes, what's coming out of our mouth is not faith, but the Bible says that it's by faith that we live, not by sight. We've got to state it by faith. We've got to state our fears. In other words, when you're in the battle, when things don't look good, when there is no hope, when your belief is out the door, continue to state your fears and not your fears. That's what we see in the Bible. And that's what you can do too, starting today. Well, right now for my third point, let's go back to London. So then the, the last thing I want to tell you is you don't just stir your fears, state your fears, but you've got to steer your fears. Here's what the Bible says. Therefore, we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal way to glory, while we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are unseen, for the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. And I just want to challenge you. I want to encourage you. I want you to understand something, that you've got to be the one that steers your fears. Oftentimes, we're steering our fear. We're not stirring our fears, we're stirring our fear. Again, outside things are causing us to stir the wrong things on the inside. And then the second thing is not just that we're, that we're steering our fears, but we've got to state our fears. You've got to state your passion. You've got to state what you're believing. You've got to understand that we speak not just things that are seen, but we speak from a place that's unseen. We speak out of a place that's unseen. And the unseen part of you is the spirit of faith that you have. 
Bible says that we've all been given a measure of faith, and you've been given a measure of faith, and you've got to be the one that, that stirs that, that that fierce, you've got to be the one that stirs that faith, you've got to be the one that states that, that fierce, that states that faith, and then finally, you've got to be the one that steers it. And don't lose heart, no matter what you're facing today, no matter what you're going through today, that, that everything that's happening right now is in the temporary. So why don't you take whatever it is in your life, whatever it is that's going on, and just right now, literally see yourself moving that from the temporary into the eternal. See it, see it like a picture frame. That no matter what's going on the, on the outside, move that inside that picture frame and you decide, you decide to frame what's going on in your life right now. In other words, if you'll steer your fears and not your fear, if you'll stay your fears and not your fear, if you'll steer your fears and not your fear, here's what's going to happen. God's going to use everything in the temporary. He's going to use everything in the now to reveal his goodness in your life. God is going to add his super to your natural. Let's live a fierce bull glory of God. And remember this, the more fierceful you are, the less fearful you will be. Well, what God wants you to know is that you're his son, you're his daughter, and that means that you have the power to not only face anything that you're facing, but there is a fierceful spirit on the inside of you that is birthed by your faith. So when you are stirring your faith, you're stirring your fears. When you're stating your faith, you're speaking those things that are not as though they were, you're stating your fears. And when you're steering yourself by faith, walking by faith and not by sight, you're steering your fears. I'm so glad that you are watching today and we're so glad that you're part of this staycation. And uh, as Pastor Sheila and I, as you know, we are on sabbatical right now, but I wanted to bring this message to you myself, uh, not only from London, but also right here from Elevate Life Church. We love you so much. God bless you. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. Make sure to get your copy of Pastor Keith Craft's book, Your Divine Fingerprint, and visit elevatelife.com for other exciting new content from Elevate Life Church.